Well, this week we are jumping into a new series that we're calling Mastermind. And uh, I think you'll agree, our minds are complex, incredible, powerful things. And for me, when I start to even just take a look at some of the, the study that's been done on our minds, I, I just feel like it's evidence for, for the existence of God because I cannot believe that uh, something as powerful as our minds could have just happened. Let me, let me tell you a little bit of uh, data about what's going on in your brain right this second. Do you know that our brains are processing an estimated 100 billion pieces of information per second? 100 billion pieces of information per second. Uh, in fact, the reticular activating system of your brain deletes 98% of this while the rest of your brain filters the remaining 2 million bits of information. And from all that, your brain narrows that down, your co to, uh, brings to your consciousness a bit between five and nine pieces of information per second that it believes to be most relevant to you at any one moment, any one second. Isn't that incredible? I mean, just that statement alone, that's from the Cleveland Clinic, that just blows my mind a little bit. Now, I'm not, a, I mean, you know this, but I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist. We are gonna hear from a therapist a little bit later this morning, so stick around for that. But over these next few weeks, as we consider how God has wired us, how God has uniquely wired our minds, uh, we're going to step into the area of the practical and also the spiritual, because I believe it's as we, as we gain an understanding of both those things, and we start, as always, with Scripture and start with the spiritual, that we can, we can understand how God has wired us, how God has put us together, and how best to control our thoughts and understand the wiring that God's given us. And I kind of feel like what I want to share today almost feels like I'm speaking to six-week-old Christians, like right at the very beginning of their Christian faith. This is so important that we understand uh, th this today that I feel like as I'm preparing it, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to talk to people who just started to follow Jesus Christ. But the thing is, is that I realize as a person who's been following Jesus for 30-something years, there's still elements of this that I'm failing on, that I, I, I still need to go back to elementary school. I still need to learn as somebody who is a brand new believer about the way that God has put my mind together and, and what God is, uh, how God is wanting me to, to kind of relate to my own mind. This might, if you, if you feel like you're a mature believer, this might be uh, something that feels like, ah, oh, this is elementary. This is like six-week-old Christian stuff. But I bet you're like me in some ways and you still struggle with putting some of these uh, biblical principles into operation. Because I fight daily to stay in control of my thoughts and to stay ahead of, 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 of where I believe the enemy would want to take my thoughts all the time. Let me give you a bit of a spoiler alert for the end of the message here today because I want to give you uh, what, what I believe is a key to discovering God's will for your life. Now, how many of us want that? We all want that. We all, we all want to know the keys for understanding and discovering God's plan and God's will for our life. And it starts with our thoughts. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today. Now, there is no one more qualified, uh, no one more honest, truthful, uh, 
and, uh, and qualified to, to, to talk about basically taking control of our thought life, being brutally honest with his thoughts than the Apostle Paul. And as you read the letters in the New Testament that, that are made up, the, the letters that, that, that Paul wrote to different churches, you hear him being brutally honest about his thoughts and that I believe he's somebody who, who won the battle of the, of the mind. He won that, uh, that battle that goes on. I don't feel like he always did. He was pretty honest and sometimes, sometimes saying, hey, I don't do what I, what I want to do. Sometimes I do what I hate and not what I want to do. And you, you, you feel like you're getting a, a ringside seat into the battle that's going on in Paul's own mind as he's honest with churches about what a, what a source of conflict this can be. Yeah, I believe he's somebody that uh, as his life went on and as you kind of read his writings that you, you, you feel like he's conquered this area in his life. Later in life, he's getting control of his mind. Now, we've called this Mastermind. Um, when I was a kid, there was a show in England called Mastermind, and it was, it was the, the sort of this idea, like dimly lit room with a, a guy asking questions, and then some kind of brainiac person on one particular subject who would answer questions on their chosen subject. But this is very different. This is not looking for anybody with any brains here this morning or any um, super intelligence, but it's looking for us to understand how we can master our minds and master our thoughts. And um, I believe we can only do that through Christ. And we're going to do that with the power of Christ in us to defeat the work of the enemy inside us. And so we're going to use scripture as our guide. So let's start in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 is, uh, is just a key place to start when it comes to the, the battleground of our minds. Paul says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, there's a lot in there, isn't there? The weapons we fight with are not the, uh, the weapons of this world. On the contrary, uh, in other words, in opposite to physical weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. He's talking about a spiritual battle that's going on. And we're not in a physical battle for our minds. We, we have to start with the spiritual. We have to start by, by asking God, God, how do you want me to look at this area of my thoughts and my mind? And, and this verse is that the weapons that we fight with are not, they're not human weapons. They're not uh, uh, the weapons of this world. They have divine power. That word power is, this, is the word uh, dunamis in, in the Greek language, the ancient Greek language that the Bible's written in. And it, it, it taught, it's where we get the word dynamite. Our spiritual weapons that God gives us, the spiritual weapons that we're to fight with, have dynamite power to break us free from strongholds. Now, strongholds isn't a word we use in normal vernacular either, is it? It's not, not a word that we use in our, our daily language. But what's a stronghold? It's a, it's a prison. It's a confinement. It's a containment. It's something that, that holds us in. And I believe that the weapons that we fight with have the divine power to break open those things that would otherwise contain us and hold us in and stop us from being the people that God wants us to be. You know that the enemy, your enemy, Satan, wants you incarcerated. He wants you locked in. He wants you confined. He wants you wrapped up and uh, locked up in strongholds. 
one lie at a time. He's bringing us information that is not true about who we are in order to rob us of who God wants us to be. And uh, they are prisons. They are literally prisons of insecurity, prisons of, of inferiority, prisons of I'm not good enough. Prisons of memories of childhood sexual abuse. Prisons created by wrong thinking. And we, we so easily get wrapped up in these prisons, in these strongholds through our lives that rob us of right thinking. And how do we demolish these strongholds? Remember, these are lies of the enemy. I hope that you, you're aware today that, that as followers of Christ, we believe that we have an enemy and it is the devil, Satan. Sometimes you can think that's a fictional character, but from the beginning to the end of scriptures, the devil appears, right? Like you've, you barely turned the page of the Bible, chapter three, and Satan is there in the Garden of Eden uh, bringing lies. And he's been bringing lies ever since. And I want to ask this question, how do we demolish these strongholds? How do we break them down? And 2 Corinthians 10 continues in verse five, and it gives us the key to it. And it says, we demolish arguments and an argument in this case is a lie from Satan. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So everything that, that the enemy sets up, every, every lie, every false argument, we wanna demolish those arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is the key, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You and I take captive every thought and make it bow the knee, make it obedient, make it submit and surrender to the will of God. And if it's a thought that clearly comes from the enemy, we take that thought and we make it submit to Jesus Christ. And we want to know how we take those thoughts captive. We take them, we take every thought, we, how we demolish those strongholds. We take every thought captive. And the more and more we do, the more and more we, we decide to, uh, to rein in our thoughts, we demolish strongholds. And the, the big thought I want to bring to us today is this, this idea that the life that you and I have, the life that we live now is essentially a reflection of our thoughts that we have and that we have had. Think about this, the life that we live now is not just uh, as a result of us taking this job or marrying this person. It is as a result of the thoughts that we've had and the thoughts that we have. You know, who wants to, how many of us uh, want to be the best version of ourselves? We think, oh, okay, I wish I, could be, I, I wish I could be better in this area and I wish I could be better in that area and gradually build up a picture of, of who I am and be the best version of myself. And sometimes the way that we do that is by approaching those different areas of our lives. Like I want to be a better version of myself with regards to my finances, with regards to my marriage, with regards to my family. I want to get control of my anger. I want to get control of my drinking. And we, we attack the, the individual. Uh, we want to fix the action rather than fixing the thinking. One pastor and author, Craig Rochelle, says, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Not your strongest actions, but your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Where your thoughts are going, so you are going. You want to change your life? Change your thoughts. If, and if you change your thoughts, you will change your life. We want to learn to take 
every thought captive. And so just as, as by way of a bit of devotion this morning, I wanted to uh, ask us to continue to read some of Paul's thoughts on this subject. And really, I believe one of Paul's key teachings on the idea of taking control of our minds. Now, this first verse that I'm going to read to you is a setup for verse two, but the, the second verse is, has got truth in it, that uh, two things, two truths, and then one thing that we get in return if we put that truth into operation. So it comes from Romans 12 and verse one. And Paul said to the church, he said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, what does that have to do with the mind? Well, like I said, that, that verse is a bit of a setup. He's basically saying that your life has got to be on the altar of God. He says that the starting place to renewing your mind is putting your life on the altar of God and making yourself be a living sacrifice. You know, it's using that um, kind of Old Testament temple analogy of a, of a, of a sacrifice uh, where they would bring a sacrifice for their sins uh, and then set fire to it on the altar as the, uh, as the aroma went up to God. Well, now we're, we're encouraged that our lives, no more dead animals, our lives to be living sacrifice on the altar. And one author said the trouble with a living sacrifice is that the living sacrifice can get off the altar whenever it wants. And we have a tendency to do that. We don't want to, when things get hot, we don't want to be on the altar of God. But as, as a church and as Christians, we talk regularly about submitting to God's will, submitting and surrendering to God's will. And that's the starting place. But then uh, it goes into, into verse two. And I said, there's, there's, there's two things to do and there's one thing to get back. In, in this verse. And I want to explain the, the two things to get uh, that we have to do, and then we're going to watch a little video, and I want to explain the one thing that we get back as a result. Verse 2, Romans chapter 12. Get this, people. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the first part. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. You know, basically, most of us live conformed to the pattern of this world, okay? We, we fall into the world's routine. We get in our car, we turn on the radio, we, we listen to a podcast, we, we scroll through Facebook, we look at social media, TikTok, you know, whatever it might be. But we are, we are living conformed to the world. You know, we come home, we make dinner for our family, we switch on the TV, we scroll through some channels. And, and we just are living this, this same kind of routine that many people in our world live, where we are just receiving the content and ever so more as time goes on, we're receiving the same content and it, it has to sound sometimes, doesn't it? Like garbage in, garbage out. We are receiving from the, the world's content and what we choose to allow our minds to receive sort of embeds our lives in the pattern of this world more and more. We embed our thinking in the negative talk in the self-focused talk. What, nothing you see on the, on the TV or on your Facebook feed is, is or very little of it is God-focused, is it? It is me-focused. It is designed to make me want more of it. And so we are conformed to the pattern of this world in our attitudes, in our relationships, surrounded by people who have no desire to honor God in their lives. 
It's very easy for us, again, to be conformed to the patterns of this world. We're living for people's approval. We're living in guilt. We're living out our insecurities. We're feeding ourselves with content, which is, uh, with a, a lot of which is garbage, with lies, with trash, and, and we input negativity and we output negativity, and it brings defeat and it, it takes control of our minds and brings hopefulness. And Paul says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're like, okay, Paul, unpack that a little bit. There is a, there is a, a transformation that can take place. That Greek word there is metamorpho, from where we obviously get the word metamorphosis, the idea of a, of a chrysalis, uh, of a caterpillar becoming something completely different, becoming a butterfly. And there is a transformation that can take place, take place as we renew our thinking. It's in the present continuous tense. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We keep doing it. We have to keep replacing the, the destructive, negative patterns of thinking in our mind with positive, God-focused patterns of thinking. Let me read it in one of the translations slightly differently. It says that in Romans 12 too, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. That's a bit more clear, isn't it? You know, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And I'm going to read the bit that we get back from that in just a minute. Now, I want to introduce a couple of guests. Um, a few weeks ago, during our Jesus Plus Nothing series, on one Sunday, we had a guest by the name of Patrick Holden, who is a dear friend of uh, mine and Liz's, and he's, him and his wife Emily are starting a new church in Columbus, Ohio. And Patrick spoke to us on one of the themes in the Galatians in the Jesus Plus Nothing series. Um, a little while ago, Patrick interviewed a clinical psychologist and therapist by the name of Dr. Latanya Carter. And Dr. Latanya Carter is going to be our expert in residence over these next three weeks, offering us some thought from a psychologist's uh, perspective. And uh, I want you to get your mind blown a little bit here uh, by some of her thoughts. Dr. Carter, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be able to talk with you a little bit about this. And today what we've been doing is we've been talking about the power and the influence of our thought life. And specifically one of the ideas that we've talked about is what it looks like to take our thoughts captive and to renew our minds so that we move in a healthy direction. And so my question for you is like scientifically, what does that actually mean and how does that happen in our brains? Right, yeah. So let me give you a little bit of a neuroscience lesson really quick, okay? Um, so the emotions that we experience are housed in our amygdala, which is in the back of the brain. And when we experience a triggering event in the environment, our amygdala lights up um, and it starts sending uh, messages to other parts of our brain for us to react in order to basically extinguish that emotion. So usually it starts, the chain reaction starts with an emotion and it ends with some type of behavior. Neuroplasticity 
plasticity, which is what you're alluding to, um, is the ability to be able to change how our brain reacts and respond to um, a, a triggering event. So for, for decades, researchers thought that once we reached adulthood, our brains stopped developing, it stopped changing. And so in recent years, they've discovered that that's not the case. And even more exciting is that we have power and influence over how our brain works. So if we look at, a, at an example of someone maybe with social anxiety, so for them, the triggering event might be joining a small group. You know, that's going to trigger a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Um, they're going to be afraid of judgment. People are going to be, um, they're not going to like me, whatever the case is, right? And so the response to that might be avoidance. I'm not going to go to the small group because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But when I don't go to the small group, my anxiety decreases, the amygdala stops reacting, and, um, and that's the end of it. So with neuroplasticity, we can um, make a change. And so we can change the neural pathway so that it goes to a different response. And we do that through engaging the prefrontal cortex, which is it's in the front of the brain. That's where we make decisions, we problem solve, um, we go through uh, executive functioning features, things like that. So when we, the same example, social anxiety comes into play, um, we want to join the small group. So instead of avoiding, which is our original reaction, instead we decide, um, I'm going to think through why I'm afraid. Right? I'm going to break down these fears. I'm going to come up with a plan so that my new reaction will be to go to small group, but um, maybe do some coping skills to manage my anxiety while I'm there. Okay, So in doing that, we've created a new pathway. Okay. We're no longer just avoiding going to small group. Now we're going to go, and we're going to have a plan to control the anxiety. And the more we repeat that pairing of you know the emotion with the new behavior, the stronger the connections get. So another idea that we're talking about is specifically shifting from like one pattern or direction of thinking to another. And then scripture, again, as we already said, talks about this as like renewing of your mind or thinking in a different way. But from your perspective, like what does the actual renewal process look like? And then what role do these patterns play in our lives? The idea of taking every thought captive or renewing your mind actually aligns very well with cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Um, and certainly there are other types of therapies that you can use, you know, to renew the mind. Um, but I, I think this is a good example of how it could work. Um, so CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, the theory behind it is that our emotions are, are basically determined by what we're thinking and what um, behaviors we're engaging in. And so since I can't directly change your emotion, I have to change how you think and how you behave in order to affect your emotion. So CBT, um, in that process, we literally, through therapeutic exercises, take the thought thoughts captive. So we evaluate um, the repetitive thoughts that we sometimes have, um, and we evaluate them for truth to determine if this is a true thought or if it's a distorted thought. And then we reframe or restructure that thought based on the new evidence that we've discovered. So for example, we might have a thought that um, I'm flawed or I'm damaged. Mm -hmm. And so that thought causes a lot of depression symptoms, right? Yeah. 
And so we'll evaluate that thought, we'll take it captive, and we'll look at the evidence. Okay, how do we know that this thought is true, and how do we know that it's false? And for Christians, this is a great way to introduce scripture. So we can go to the Bible, we can look at the ways that we are made, um, you know, fearlessly and wonderfully made. We can look at scriptures that counter the negative thoughts that we're having and use that as evidence. And then we reframe the thought or restructure it so it's no longer... Um, I'm flawed or I'm damaged, but it's, I was flawed, but now through Christ, I'm made whole, right? So we've literally changed our thought patterns and our thought thinking. Yeah, that's great. So I know, like, personally for me, I want to get better at this. This doesn't always come natural to me. I know thoughts kind of come in, and I'm I'm very good at not evaluating those thoughts (laughs) at times, right? But I think for me, I would go, like, how do I make sure that I'm kind of creating more self-awareness and more self-regulation when it comes to the mind? And then how can I be more intentional about creating creating better pathways in that way. Right. So we've talked about therapy as being an option, and I think that's definitely applicable for people who um, have more of the clinical levels of anxiety or depression or things like that. Um, But in general, everybody can form new pathways, right? So doing things like um, self-care, you know, developing a routine of self-care. And in my opinion, any routine of self-care should include exercises for the mind, the body, and the spirit. Um, And so you might buy a journal, and start, you know, tracking your thoughts and recording how you're feeling, um, what you're thinking about. Especially if you've had a day or a week where you're really emotional. A lot of times we just kind of get to the weekend. We're like, oh, great, I don't have to think about that anymore. I'm good. Sure. Um, and we don't take the time to really reflect on what was happening. Um, so when we reflect on our emotions and we think about what triggers that, you know, we can start to ask our questions about, okay, how did I arrive at this outcome? Um, I was feeling anxious, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm eating a pound of ice cream. You know, how does this happen, right? Um, That would not be me. (laughs) No, No, never, 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 never. But those are are exercises where you can choose, now that you understand the the connection between the emotion and the behavior, you can choose to do something differently, and that's going to form a new pathway. Um, Learning new activities also, you know, Mm -hmm. complex uh, activities like learning an instrument or learning a foreign language, those create new pathways. Anything, anytime we're learning something new, um, even Bible study, if we're doing Bible study and, and we're engaging critical thinking skills, those are forming new pathways. Um, and of course, eating healthy and exercising, those produce um, you know, happy hormones in our brains that actually counter some of the negative feelings that we're having. That's great. Dr. Carter, thank you so much for thank being you. with us. Thank you so much. Just incredible thoughts from uh, Dr. Carter. We're so grateful uh, for her input in these services over these these next few weeks, and you're going to hear from her again next week. As as we think, and they kind of explained from a practical point of view, the idea of renewing our mind. But to expand a little further on that verse, Romans 12, 2, that we just read, I said that there'll be two things that we have to do, and there'll be one thing that we get back in turn. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world, and but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and then it continues. And it says this in the end of verse two, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Now, if you're like me, and I think you are, you want to know and understand and test and approve what God's will is for our lives, right? We want to know what God's will is for our lives. And Paul says it so plainly. He says, if you you stop conforming to the pattern of this world, 
If you learn the process and everything that's involved practically, uh, as practically and spiritually of renewing your mind, replacing those thoughts daily with positive thoughts, with thoughts that are infused by Christ, you can get to this place where you will know and test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And let me read that in this, uh, in this Passion Translation as well. Uh, it says, this will empower you to how to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to live a life that is satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And as we practice the discipline of renewing our minds, we're entering a journey towards understanding God's will for our lives, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Now this is a, remember I said, this is a present continuous verb, renewing our minds. It's ongoing because we remember there is a battle going on and the battle is primarily for our thoughts. The battle is primarily for our mind. We talked about the weapons we fight with. We talked about demolishing arguments. We talked about taking hold of captive thoughts. We talk about removing strongholds in our lives. And it's all a reminder that we have an enemy, an enemy who wants to uh, 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 steal our relationship with God, who wants to kill us and destroy us forever. John 10.10 said that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And God says, listen, I've come so that you might have the life that God has for us, that you might have the life that God intended for you. As I close this part out today, I want to pray for us that you and I will be ready to go to war. I, I, I think it's probably going to need some journaling on your part. I think it's probably going to need, need some introspection. It's going to need some daily thinking and reflection on where do I, do I allow the enemy to take control of my thoughts and where do I need to submit thought my thought life to Jesus Christ and watch Jesus take those, like take free us from those strongholds and set us free. And so my prayer for you today is that you will have the courage to spend time to do the work, to spend the time and do the work of, of saying, God, where did, what areas has the enemy locked me in and where have I believed lies that have robbed me from my, from my true identity of who I am in Jesus Christ? And my, my continual prayer is that you, will, uh, you and I will take every thought captive as we continue to follow Christ.